0: Welcome back guys, it's the Inside City Podcast, we're back once again. It's almost our New Year Christmas special, recapping on everything that happened in uh, Man City world over the past week. Joining me this evening is uh, Walter as always and also Jack, our assistant editor on the side. Hello gentlemen, how are you? Very well, thanks, yourself? Yeah, not bad Jack, not bad. Happy Christmas to you my friend. And yourself? Walter, you well? Ah, oh, living the dream man, it's... Uh...
1: I'm feeling a bit
0: dizzy, to be honest. I'm not used to being uh, this high up, fifteen
1: points clear. Slight but element I'll, I'll,
0: of vertigo. <laughs> oh, so I reckon I can get used to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs>
1: maybe not, even a bit higher. A bit higher.
0: It's not so bad. Um, that past week, since we lost, uh, spoke uh, two further wins. United haven't won since. Extended the gap, <laughs> which was quite a substantial gap in the first place. Um, just to start off this week's show. Um, we were speaking briefly just off air about teams and uh, what way they're setting up against us but Jack I'll, I'll ask you for this first mate do you feel that teams now facing City whether it's either home or away are either beaten in the tunnel through fear of what we're doing to other sides and also do you feel certain teams are kind of focusing on the next game and have no confidence and faith that they can actually take anything from this City team?
2: Yeah, I mean, when, on, on the game last night, they were saying um, how the teams will just set up to get what the ball, half defend, get what they can out of it, and if they can't get anything because they're expecting to lose and looking on to the next game. Whereas they're kind of seeing all the top top six games as kind of like an instant loss, keeping that down to as low as they can the score line and then moving on as fast as they can and just trying to avoid relegation, really. Now that's to Leicester
1: and Burnley.
0: <laughs> what about you, Walter? Do you, do you feel that teams are looking across from us inside the tunnel and they see the De Bruyne as the Silvas and Sterling, Zasane, Aguero, uh, Mendes, Aderson, all these players in the form that they're in, do you feel like they're looking aside and just... They're mentally beaten, if not physically beaten, before they go on the pitch.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, to compare us to, I suppose, Ferguson, when he had that team in his pomp, you used to just see teams rock up at Old Trafford, roll over, get the belly tickled, and uh, scamper off on their nearest coach home. And to be honest with you, if you look at certain teams now, what, the way I look at it is, um, I think people saw that Huddersfield nearly got some points out of us so that they've tried to replicate it thinking they could go one step further and it's literally kicking the ball up our end of the pitch and maintaining your shape, not being dragged all over the place so I think somebody's come out with a blueprint for that and hoping that they can get some points off us and if you look at a lot of the teams like Bournemouth are renowned I mean absolutely renowned for their exciting football you know and and, and they've got a philosophy and they stick to that philosophy in the way that they play and they came to our place and just copied what everybody else had been doing just sort of and I thought it made me kind of giggle at the time because I'm watching it, thinking some teams are used to playing that way and you get experience through playing that way, they're not so they're actually playing a foreign game to what
0: the Eddie Howe philosophy is, so good they got stuff so that kind of backs up the point then that it, the fact that Bournemouth came to City and ultimately came to try and defend, which is like us going to Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and trying to defend a, you know, and get away with it, a point maybe if we're lucky and lookers on our side that day. Um, it goes totally against Eddie Howe's philosophy and Bournemouth's philosophy. Um, so does that prove that ultimately would prove then that teams are beaten before they've even stepped onto the pitch because if if you say to me before the game Bournemouth are gonna sit up with two ba- two banks of four or two banks of five and play no striker up front basically. Me I'm happy with that all day long because I know that Bournemouth, for example, won't be able to uh keep this city side out over ninety minutes. They've it's not it's like when Swansea before maybe the past twelve months when they used to come when they were had um, Francesco Guidolin, they had Gary Monk, and they had uh, uh who the, who did they have before? Uh, uh Brad Bobley. Bob Brad, Bob, Bob Bradley, Bob yeah, Bradley. yeah, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Big Brendan. But when when teams like that come, you know, it's like I'm not too worried about us breaking breaking them down because ultimately we're going to do it. But say when teams like Burnley, who are known for the defensive structure, or whatever. I, I wouldn't say those those sort of teams are beaten in the tunnel, but the teams like um, Bournemouth, who are basically completely changing their philosophy to try and withstand us, is, is huge. And not only that, I do feel... I, I, I said it to both of you guys off air. I said that I felt over the last two games, and this is not taking away from either the results City picked up, but I feel like both teams have been like, yeah, we ain't winning this game, and we've got but we've got Newcastle and Brighton next, and Bournemouth have West Ham, and their their mind is kind of like yeah, well we can try, we can put, we can hope that luck is on our side and play a play a somewhat second string team, and then go out against West Ham and try and get a point, and for Newcastle go and try and get a point against Brighton, um, which for me I would be I would be pissed off if I was supporting either of those teams, and that was that was the case, so. I, Jack, do you have anything to Walter? Do you have anything to add on that? Well, I,
1: I, what I would say to you about that is you're talking about the teams looking towards the next game. I'm not so sure that they are. I mean, I think what teams are scared of is that fear element of them getting absolutely humiliated. I mean, Aguero scored five against Newcastle, you know, last season. I think it was, Um you could see at home. It's the first time we've played a team's played as obviously as that must have been away at their home ground in front of their home fans. And I found that, as I was watching the games, if Newcastle went up, I mean, they did a few strings of passes together at the back, and the Geordies were gagging,
0: yeah, absolutely
1: yeah. gagging, to cheer their team on. Because they were sat there, and it must have been freezing. And there was no sense of, we're going to test this City team.
0: But and isn't that a change? Isn't isn't that a change in 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 British football I think Gary Neville last night touched on it he said hey, it's the, probably the most defensive and enthusiastic home, home performance he's ever seen how can you disagree they, they have no interest in coming out and playing and whether you lose 1-0 or 2-0 it's the same as losing 5-6 and six when you're up against a team like City at the minute
1: I, I would suggest it's not if you go in and get tank 7-0 do you know what I'm saying that's that's where the embarrassment comes in as professionals And you say that though, Shane, and I'd also, after we scored that first goal, Newcastle then played their best football, and I thought to me,
0: I was sort of thinking to myself, why haven't they been trying this all along? But it couldn't have got much worse. Well, it couldn't have got much worse, but
1: it's it's that element of fear. Fear creeps in, and people go to, or these certain teams go to... Uh, you know, like when Mourinho was at Chelsea and they hadn't been beat for God knows how long at Stamford Bridge, and teams were there with a sense of fear. I remember City going there with a sense of fear for many years. So that's the sort of you, you play it tight and see what you can get. And they haven't got the resources that City have got. They haven't got the quality of player that City have got. They haven't got the quality of manager that City have got. So they're going to try and keep it tight and nick it, and that's maybe Carragher was speaking absolutely out through his arse I thought I mean anybody who says that this is sort of a weak Premier League you look at the Champions League and all the teams that have absolutely walked through you look at the rich list of all the clubs in the world and in the top 30 I think all 20 premiership teams are so they can afford to bring in the best players from all over the planet so Carragher speaking out of his arse you know you need subtitles for the guy straight off but I mean
0: they should have subtitles on his arts as well. OK, now you brought up another point that I wanted to mention. Um, Jack, do you feel that the... Uh, I, Being honest, I can get what Carragher was saying in a sense. To, um, because I think he's saying that the Premier League is poor because the division between top and bottom is so wide. And the top six, compared to everybody else, the gap is absolutely enormous. I think that that's what he was probably saying. That it lacks that competitive edge that was been there for the past few years. But if it's lacking that competitive edge, then our teams have struggled in the Champions League because our bigger teams have been shitter, and ultimately, the smaller teams. Yeah, they've done well, and you know there's been some big stories along the way with Leicester and stuff. But at the same time, you only have to look at what what's gone on in the Champions League over the past few years to realise how far away many of these teams in in English football are or were at least from the elite now they possibly are at that level and I think that the gap is so enormous do you think that's fair to say Jack or do you feel that um, do you feel like Carragher was ro- wrong in the sense that it, it's it it is an uncompetitive league I,
2: I think I think uh, Neville made a point last night as well and he said um Said something about how that the division has gone from like, um, what's oh, it again? Well, basing that on your point, he was kind of saying that um, well, my man's gone completely. Um, I'll come back to it one second.
0: Yeah, we'll be, well, I mean, so, sorry, I what, I would suggest what? that It used to be; a, it's a top six now,
1: and it used to be a top. One or two, and they used to call it a traditional Big Four. And I think that you've now got six teams up there. I'm not saying they're all going to win the league, but you've got six teams that are getting Champions League money in. Uh, over, you know, they might get it one year, but not the next, etc. Ultimately, it boils and it boils down to getting a lot of money through the Premier League. They're getting a lot of money in the Champions League. Obscene amounts of money in the Champions League, which is a self-fulfilling. Sort of prophecy. You get the money from the Champions League. You get to get the best players because they want to play in the Champions League. But you can afford to get the best players. Um, and ultimately, the Premier League, as much as the whining and kicking and all the rest of it, voted FFP in. So if you get a Newcastle that gets, uh, you know, a multi-millionaire owner, he can't then just go in and just start splashing cash. You can't take a risk like they used to, you know, because FFP prevents that. It prevents you pumping in a load of money to get a um, wage bill up. You know, you're only allowed to increase it by certain percentages. So, the idea there's a, it's, it's quite, there's a lot of issues to it. But the Champions League money, the FFP, and players wanting to play in Champions League teams now all contributes to the quality rising to these certain few teams. And it's not just it's not just England, you've got Germany, you've got Spain completely, but then it, it spreads throughout the whole of Europe. You've know, The top Cypriot teams, the top Polish, the top Russian teams, they're all appearing in the Champions League year in, year out now uh, because of this extra money that's actually been dumped on their lap so to afford to be able to do this.
0: That's a fair point. Anything to add on that, Jack?
2: Um, I, what I was going to say is basically... It kind of shows how the money has changed in the division through Everton's takeover so if you look at cities about um, nine years ago how we went from tenth to fourth within two seasons and how we brought in big name players um, renowned in England so after the Rabinos you had like the Shea Givens the Craig Bellamy's whereas Everton within the two years of taking over have kind of Regressed almost in even with pumping in uh, plus hundred million last year through the sale of Lukaku, so it kind of shows how that even if with the money you can't, they've not been able to break through into that
1: top six. Not until Big Sam comes along.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that one goes. Yeah, it, it's it's. I a-
1: like Sam Allardyce
0: oh you're on your own there mate what? oh
1: no I, got, I ended up having a good few pints with him years ago one night and he's a good bloke <laughs> is there more to this story? Uh, we ended up talking football um, and I was uh, discussing Ali Van Arby with him but um, yeah he, he just he, put it this way he was talking to uh, a pissed up mank in the middle of a hotel one night for a couple, good couple of hours and I didn't feel like he went to rush me off if you know what I mean so I've always
0: had time for him since then. He was drinking pints of wine. <laughs> Fair enough. Was he a big? Was he a fan of Ali B? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I was asking because
1: we were playing Bolton, and I said, "How come uh, we're playing um, you guys so early in the day? It was like a noon kickoff." They just went. That's because the police are assholes.
0: <laughs> Sounds like Sam. <laughs> so,
1: I was. I like oh, well, giving you a giggle.
0: Okay. Um, right. there's... Another story this week that has, um, come out, <laughs> and when everything seemed to be going so high and it looked like, yeah, we're finally going to land our man, yesterday afternoon in the space of two hours, a man had literally signed for somebody else, um, Virgil van Dyke, in case anybody couldn't guess up my, uh, with my secrecy, um, yeah, what a weird one this is, um... Seventy-five million pounds to Liverpool, five-year deal, signed on January the first. Klopp has finally got his man. Jack, do you feel a City have missed the trick here, or do you feel that this is not a necessity, or nor was the fee a necessity for City at this moment in time? I do feel like we
2: re- he was the man to get in terms of a long-term company replacement. The attributes are so similar between them, and regardless of the fee, because I suppose when it comes down to it, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's just a, it's just a shame that we couldn't get him really, because I think he would have been a great option to have along with Otamendi and Stones, who's fit week in week out. But I think he's he's opted for the guarantee of number one first choice centre half, which you'll get at Liverpool, and um, yeah,
0: disappointed not to have him really. Do you feel that the fee is at all warranted considering his one, his performances um, two, his form th- throughout the last 12 months and also three, because he's never produced on a big stage or he's ne- that might sound harsher it's in the sense that he's never been able to produce on a big stage and four, he's also got no Champions League football
2: Yeah, I think well, I think uh, a fee like that for any player these days is extortionate but I think it's something that Liverpool had to get with the errors that um, Lovren's been making this season and Matip hasn't really had a partner so to speak so I think they needed to get him and I suppose he was the man they wanted and they wanted to get him whatever, whatever fee it took and I think £75 million was what Southampton priced prized out of them
0: OK fair enough Walter, we spoke over the past couple of weeks about these rumours and also how we possibly fit in and what he bring to the side. Are you go? We've missed out on this one.
1: Uh, I'm not happy about it. You know what I mean? It's a case of, uh, I mean, Virgil van Dijk is a he's a quality centre half. I know he's had that injury problem. Never really sort of shown. You've got to look at. His form has sort of taken a dip this year, or this season, should I say? And you've got to hope for Liverpool's sake that it's um, a lack of interest in playing for Southampton rather than anything sort of a little bit more long term, Um, because they can't afford to make a mistake with a seventy-five million pound signing of a defender. I think if it's all good to go, you know, and I wish him all the best, as it was, except for he's playing us, obviously, but. I think he would have uh, fitted nicely into our system, but I, I, he definitely wouldn't have been a guaranteed, for, you know, number one starter. But he would have been a great squad player to have because if we lose one of our centre halves, Mangala's the option, if you know what I mean. And that's we talked. I've spoken in the past about uh, a drop off from your first team. You know, you've got to be bringing in a, a player that's not a. Uh, it's you know, obviously not going to be as good as the guy who got bit the, in the first team, but the percentage drop off has got to be minimal if you want to continue with, the, for example, the winning streak that we're on. What I would say is Virgil van Dijk. I think made his mind up a while ago, mm. and fair play to him. You know, he stuck to his guns because he could have come to City and he could have uh, got Champions League football, but he's obviously gave his word to Klopp, and you know he stuck by his word. Um, you know all the best for him. You know he's uh, he's a great player. It's somebody at City though know, deserves a good kick in the nuts because when we were looking at Diney and going up at scouting reports in Celtic, and you sat there looking at Diney and you're thinking, yeah, you know, has an eight out of 10, 7 out of ten, whatever. You know, you look at his attributes in the game. You know how he brings the ball out, his defensive qualities, his positioning, sense, et etc., etc. You know, you're doing detailed reports to bring back to the the mothership, as it was City. Who on earth was doing those reports and didn't go, hang on a minute, that guy next to him looks quite handy. What, 13 million? Yeah, it might be worth a pump, that. And we could have blown Southampton out of the water. Maybe he just wanted to go visit all his old mates, you know what I mean? Because they just seem to be a feeder club for Liverpool. But, as I said, someone at City has obviously looked at Virgil van Dijk when he was at Celtic, week in, week out, and has not gone and just literally booted the manager's door down and go, you need to get someone up here, or someone else up here to look in. That's what's most disappointing about this. £75 million, the only, my only other concern for Liverpool is, if they're willing to spend £75 million on him, and there's talk of another couple of players, Coutinho's gone, and he's been their linchpin. He's the man that provide, provides the... the He's the oil that greases the engine, up. You, know, you know what I mean, up front for Liverpool. So that's what. If I was Liverpool fan, I'd be concerned about letting
0: Coutinho go as well. Okay. With Coutinho going, you're probably going to end up seeing part. I don't, this is an educated guess. You'll probably see Thomas Lamar of Monaco coming in um, in return.
1: Are you going to say Jordan Henderson?
0: Uh, do you know why it's a shame he's out against us? Because I would have preferred him. To, I would have preferred Liverpool play him instead of. Instead of somebody else because he's absolutely garbage. But with Coutinho, with continue going, Lamar coming in, um, if that does happen, or no, that's saying. Coutinho's gone, it's probably going to be the summer. But if they replace him wisely with somebody like Lamar or Fakir or Leon, etc., etc., with Naby Keita coming back, Virgil van Dijk, and they sign a decent goalkeeper, um, would you be war? This sounds this i'm I'm saying this and I feel stupid for saying this. <laughs> I'm, say,
1: I'm gonna answer it before you say it. No. No, Okay.
0: Worried. Move on. Um <laughs> okay. Um Okay, you you both mentioned the fee and you both kind of said that it wasn't too much of a concern, etc. okay? And and I I can I can get that and I can to be honest, the only reason I feel city didn't get, get Van Dyke was nothing to do with the fee. It was simply down to the five Van Dijk went to the leave Liverpool, and that's been brutally uh, uh, join Liverpool, I should say, and that's been brutally honest. Ultimately, we were snubbed, to be quite honest. Um, I, I hate saying that, but it, it it's true. He, he you could tell by him that he was he was so hell bent on joining Liverpool. He's obviously stuff has been going on all this month. I think he gave his word. He gave exactly yeah. a man gave his word and so on and so forth. But still, bastard for not choosing <laughs> us and all that. Um, that brings us on to uh, our January targets, and we've seemed to miss out on our primary target. Oh, um, I don't really. want to, Oh, yeah. But basically, now we've missed out on on Van Dyke. We're still gonna need another centre back, Um whether that's company going, which is highly unlikely in January, it's probably gonna see still see Mangala going. Um, where I'd be mean, interested to get your thoughts on. Where you two would like to go now, heading into the January Chancellor window with our centre back targets. Um, it's well known the two that keep coming up are Inigo Martinez of Real Sociedad, 26 year old left footed centre back, um, 28 million pound release clause, couple of casts for Spain, never played at the very top level but has been wanted by Barcelona in the past, and then Johnny Evans. Um, Twenty nine years old, former Manchester United player, um, it, Johnny Evans. homegrown, Premier League experience. Jack, does either of those two names excite you or fill you with optimism? And do you feel that either of those players could possibly replace Mangala or improve this side, or improve our squad, should Mangala leave?
2: To be honest, not at all. I mean, and both of them are quite similar in the fact that they're of similar age, similar kind of capabilities on the ball and whatnot. But I think if we're looking for a Mangala replacement, and because if you if you put company in there, they'd be fourth choice centre back. I think it's we need to be more so looking for someone who's quite young but has them definite. World class capabilities, rather than going for a more average kind of centre half, just to make up the numbers.
0: So, would you know? Would you, if you would you look at um, a centre back in January? Uh, you're talking, I don't know, like the Academy at Leon, uh, Delight at Ajax, um, maybe return for Laporta. Would you be looking at that similar mould where they can kick on and become the next? You know, do what and ultimately excel on what Pep does best and improve players make them that world class player or would you rather stability and Johnny Evans
2: yeah definitely I'd much rather go for a younger player like the Matthias delict because I think we had a, a conversation the other day with some of the other guys from the website and we were talk, talking about him just saying that he'd be kind of a type of player that Pep could mould I think there's a a guy called Sarr as well, um, who look who's that kind of similar player, similar age, capabilities. I think he's at I think he's at Nice in uh, the French league, but someone kind of of that style, where the young, uh, 19, 20 years old could mould them into kind of a company successor, rather than just going for an average player who could end up being the same price of twenty five, thirty million.
0: Are you are you not bothered with? Explain to me even, because I, even, even I, I'm i not fully aware, what is this um, negativity surrounding Inigo Martinez with City fans? Why are they so hell-bent on him not coming or why are they so against him possibly coming?
2: I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I, I don't think that many of City fans have seen him play so much to make a great judgment on him, but I do. I think he's got the kind of capabilities he'd be good to have around the squad but I don't think he's the player everyone's looking for The bi- also almost a big name player to move in the right direction someone who's quite renowned and could um, just excite people I think more so more than anything
0: OK Walter A throw over the argument for Johnny Evans do you see any oh, do you see any positive positive Positivity and signing somebody like Evans do you see what he can possibly bring to the squad do you feel like he'd be an improvement on Mangala or do you feel that this would be a case of City for the, possibly the first time on the Guardiola bringing in a stopgap, or actually standing still instead of constantly looking for that improvement
1: unless he's got sort of uh, big plans to bring somebody else in as well I mean unfortunately and it kills me to say it. company cannot be relied upon you know he's absolute smashing bloke and he cut him and he bleeds blue and his time ta- time has come because it just seems to be this constant repetition of breaking down his body. for me and I'm no doctor so I'm not going to give you medical opinion but it's just stacking up by numbers that his time at City now or his time as a City player, should I say, not his time at City, is drawing to a close. And, I almost see Johnny Evans as uh, a Martin D. type figure, who would come in and fill gaps as and when. And, you know, Johnny Evans is, um, he's no mug, do you know what I mean? He's he's a good quality centre-half. He's getting on a bit and he's got no retail value. But, as a sort of third, fourth choice centre back, you know he would fulfil that position. I know you're shaking your head, but he, for me, again, Martin D. Michaelis was never going to rip up any trees for us. Although I did enjoy his sprint holding the Premier League trophy with <laughs> right, his beautiful mane just flowing in the wind. That will be the image I'll always have of Martin. But again, it's just a case of. That's the type of player as a stopgap. The only thing that concerns me is forty million quid or whatever isn't a stopgap figure. Do okay. you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: When you're talking about. We've got Johnny Stones
1: for. Well, I mean, again, the market's just moved on. There's no way of predicting how much a defender or a certain player is worth. It's all a case of. You know, get 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 yourself a. A bingo ball, you know, put figures in it, roll it round and pick a number out some of these teams seem to be doing. But again, they know City have got the money, so it's maybe suck it up time and just go for somebody like Martinez or go for somebody like Johnny Evans. I know Martinez is, what, 26? So Mm -hmm. that's coming through your prime as a a centre-half for me because, you know, you've learnt the ropes, you've learnt from his mistakes, you've got the experience. I mean, you're saying he's never played at the highest level you know, he's made a couple of caps to Spain, though, which in some respects reminds me of David Silva. Or, well, you know, going back to that sort of um, buying policy we had under Gary Cook at the time where you go for players, the best players from the second-tier clubs from different countries. But, again, I've not really seen a great deal of him. My Spanish football uh, knowledge is somewhere between 0 and point 0.1. You know, I don't tend to watch a lot of it, so... I wouldn't like to give you an opinion on him at all I know we could play left back as well which is something that would be advantageous for us but the reason I would have liked Virgil van Dijk as well is some of the games we like to play three at the back and I think he'd have been perfect in that role as well so if Johnny Evans, put it this way I'm I'm not going to big him up but if he signs for City and he puts on a blue shirt I'm sorry I'm not gonna sing his name, but I'm not certainly not gonna just slate him for being an ex United player. He's seen the error of his ways and he's come to the he's moved away from the dark side.
0: Oh, okay. Um I agree with a lot of what you said, but there's some points that I just wanna pick at and um one of them you were you saying away. is about that Martin D. Michaelis figure and yeah, I slightly agree with that. However, There's two issues One For me That's not an improvement On our squad And ultimately Us not improving On our squad Was what The mistake. It is
1: so shame It is Johnny Evans Johnny Evans As it stands Is an improvement On Vincent company
0: He's not an improvement On Mangala though But I didn't
1: say that You need We're looking for
0: four Yeah but my And if you get him in If you get him in It's between him and Mangala Do you know what I mean
1: is an improvement on company because company's body is just it's it,
0: it's gone okay but surely we should aim high, higher than johnny evans like s- crucially i remember um matty i was saying that in football you shouldn't think like you have it, that replacements or stop gaps should exist you should always be trying to look for that improvement because ultimately when you have a replacement or a stop gap your level has either stayed or decreased and I feel that with Evans, that's ultimately what, what we were doing. I agree with what Jack was saying in the sense that, if for me, it makes more sense for City to go and buy a... I'm saying, for example, that like young kid at Leon uh, Diacobi, sign him in, have him starting to mould up, and then in the summer replace either Mang- the other one of Mangala and company with your big name and ultimately then you have three players fighting it out for two positions and you have this next young generation player coming in like for, for me okay i i'm not overly keen on martinez simply because i've never seen him but because he seems light and he seems a little bit um he's it, this he seems a little bit uh how, how would you say not the commanding center half that we would need to say replace vincent company the, one that, the only one in the market right now that I can see and that could possibly be available, and I tweeted about this just before we started recording this, was um, Benucci. And I feel that okay. we, could pos- we could possibly get Benucci for the same price that we'd get Johnny Evans, considering the stuff that's gone wrong at Milan with financial fair play. We're, uh, not, we're not getting him. But w- why not?
1: Is, is, is it because everything I've ever read about the guy He's Italian, he loves Italy, he wants to. You know, he, he's been in Juventus and he's made his name there. He's, he was arguably the best sort of centre back in the world. And to try and get him out of Italy just seems a non starter. He knew we were interested, but he decided to go to AC Milan. And if you're thinking about City with Pep and you're thinking Champions League football and all the rest of it, and then you think about AC Milan, he's sort of made his bed, and, whether, I don't know what the script is, he might have family, he might be settled in schools, I don't know what the script is with him, but I know for a fact, I've never ever got a hint that he wants to sort of apply his trade outside his native country.
0: If he, yeah. was, if he was, surely both of you would agree though that that would be a better option, or that would at least be an improvement on a squad than somebody like Evans, because I don't see, I just don't see the the point in signing Evans, we may as well be signing um, Wes Morgan from Leicester to be honest for me.
2: It would be a great addition I just think, following on from what Walter said, I remember reading something in the summer and Benucci had done an interview and basically he said he thought about the possibility of City but he wanted to stay in Italy because there's more to football and uh, he saw his family as more important than moving them abroad so in terms of whether, as much as I'd love him to come in, whether it would be kind of doable, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, is there any other names that either either two of you would like, would throw into the hat? Because Benucci is the one that I could possibly think of, or maybe returning for Laporta. But City seem to have this thing about not going back in for players. At the same time, then they've just broken that when they've gone back in for Van Dijk. So, Jack, any names you throw into the mix that could make a good argument?
2: I saw a name thrown in yesterday that actually I didn't. I I haven't heard. Um, well, linked to City, and it, there was something to do with them possibly signing for Chelsea in the summer, but that didn't uh, materialise. It was Kula Bali from Napoli.
0: Okay, where now, is there any report, or did you see this anywhere?
2: It wasn't a Report It was kind of a name thrown into the mix, okay. But in terms of like the capabilities he has on the ball, Mm. the Napoli style of play is obviously very similar to Pep, yeah. And that kind of style, and he's very physical, so he wouldn't struggle in terms of the Premier League. So someone like that wouldn't surprise me if we went in for
1: for them.
0: That's a fair shout. (laughs) That Walter, anything for you?
1: To be fair, City have got a habit of uh, over the last few years of going in for players that have played well against them in the Champions League.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Um, Do you know what I'd love to do? uh, I'd love just to go in with uh, a bag full of cash, put it down on the table, and get one of the top one of the top of centre halves.
0: This is who I feel that City are going to target in the summer. I will be Toby Alderweireld similar to Van Dyke. I think that he's gonna be the one that they go for considering that uh, am I right in saying that come this summer he's only got one year remaining on his contract? I think that's right, yeah. yeah so you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be looking at him in an Alexis Sanchez bracket and he, he's perfect. He he's he is literally the perfect replacement for um for for Vincent Company for me. He's Belgian for starters so you know keeping it in the same <laughs> Uh, he's captain material, he's play, good playing out from the back, he's possibly along with Aldo Vierald, Um the best centre, well I am gonna I would have said the best centre half in the league, but considering Stones' has form this season, there's a fair argument for that, but for me that makes sense, the only flaw you're going to have with that, is going to be neg- trying to negotiate with Daniel Levy, but Jack you mentioned Koulibaly, and trying to negotiate with um, De Laurentiis at, at Napoli, is is like the same with the uh, Olise Leon. There's a couple of notorious chairmen in the in European football right now, and but at the same time, City will have that edge for two reasons. One, I'm sure all the world will be happy to to jump ship, and also two that Tottenham have twelve months remaining on their on a contract for one of their star players, who's probably not going to sign a new deal, and they're also. Uh, dependent you know they're going to be expecting finances coming in because of the new stadium and you know they're kind of in a similar situation that Arsenal went for a couple of years and things like that so would Aldo Vero be a name you'd be interested in Walter? Uh, yeah, yeah yeah I mean uh, that's what I'm
1: saying it's um, the
0: Tottenham lad yeah
1: he's um Again, the only problem is the chairman. That's why I said you're going with a big sort of bag full of cash. And Levy, oh. Tottenham ultimately are a selling club. And if they're going to be coughing up, as it were, coughing up players, you just need to have enough. And I think Tottenham are finally going to find themselves in that strange situation completely whereby they're there, they're overperforming, they've got a fantastic unit, but they're underpaying everybody. And as the contract starts to run down, once one starts leaving, two starts leaving, I mean, Walker left. So Danny Rose was starting to kick off a little bit. He was leaving. Uh, I absolutely don't think that he was a lone wolf going to the papers. I think he's been almost short straw which one of us is going to go and say something. Because that was a, that was the biggest message from that squad to the chairman that there can possibly be so Rose is gone um, it must have if you think about this the Tottenham players were coming off the pitch the other day and they were saying how much better City were and how they were outclassed etc etc and then they must have just been looking at Kyle Walker there and he'd have just been there with his uh, bank pulling out his wallet from his back pocket and just showing the receipts of his bank account and lads this could be you this could be you and um, ultimately, deep down, every Tottenham player knows that as well. They, Levy's been a fantastic asset to that club where I think ultimately he's going to be their downfall.
0: Do you think that he'd be the perfect fit for City? Uh, yeah. But... yeah, Jack?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, I can't disagree with that at all. I mean, he's Um, He's the perfect kind of mould, perfect company replacement. If we are looking, uh, not so much long term because he is 28 and he is kind of in his prime now. But in terms of if we want a now replacement, he is the man I think because if he's he's believed to be looking for 110 grand a week now. If he's looking for 110 grand a week, which he's not on, to so say if he's on anywhere between 60 and 80 at the moment, I mean, Mangala is on pretty much the same wages <laughs> as what he's looking for.
0: Yeah. Uh, that just
2: speaks volumes, really, and it doesn't surprise me that he wants out along with Rose and whoever else, because, like you said, I don't think he was the only one. I think Rose was just the speaker.
0: Yeah, fair enough <laughs> That's a very, very brilliant That's a brilliant point you made there About his uh, contract situation um, Danny Rose It looks like Walker started Almost as exodus The downfall of Spurs And I thought I said it last season I got a bit of stick for it I thought Walker would be the first one to go um, I thought Rose would go for, You just see start, start seeing these stars will go I think Deli Ali will leave in the summer And I also think That if either Real Madrid Or Manchester United lose Either the, their manager I feel like you're going to have Pochettino going to eat with the first club that comes calling, basically. Um, right. Let's talk about the uh, this week in City World, as in the City games, things like that. A couple of key points from the matches. Um, and uh, first thing was the was the Bournemouth game when we spoke about them coming out and not really being too interested in playing. Um, speaking about individual performances on that game uh, Walter what about I want you, I want you to talk to me about Aguero's two performances first against Bournemouth and then also again last night against um, against Newcastle I well, thought it was fabulous um, he, I mean I,
1: I was what I mean just take it last night's game I mean, he, he just, how many times did he hit the woodwork? Was it three? Uh,
0: two, and I think he pulled off. that He got that amazing save and offside goal.
1: So, you know, you, you're talking about uh, after the, the margin for error, and it was just ever so slight. I mean, he could have walked away quite easily with the match ball. There's not a great deal he did wrong. Uh, he led the line well, and what I like about Aguero especially is if he does hit the post, or well, he does have the goalkeeper pulls off a world in. he's straight back at it. It doesn't let him... That's not in his nature to sort of put his head down and think, it, oh, it's not my day today. He runs and he goes and he runs and he goes and he runs and he goes. That's testament to the man. I mean, all you need to do to, to think about Aguero is look at his minutes on the pitch and look at the amount of goals he scored. Yes... I don't think he. It wouldn't surprise me if he left in the summer, and the only reason it wouldn't surprise me is I'm not 100% sure that he fits in with this whole PEP system. And you absolutely can't argue with the PEP system and the way it's working. If you do want to argue, go have a look at the table, go have a look at the Champions League table, go have a look at his history. It works wherever he goes. So I ultimately trust him, but I think Aguero's. He's professional
0: enough if he's going to leave in the summer to absolutely get his head down and just score goals for fun. Okay, um, his his form of late. Do you do you feel like okay? I against Swansea we saw that warrior type figure um, that we've seen before. You know those long busting and runs. The you know just the Aguero of old and. I felt that we saw that again against Bournemouth Um, Again last night against Newcastle I've seen online he came in for a lot of stick And I thought it was really undeserved It was just Nothing was going in for him If he had scored that first, If if he had been a little bit more braver In the first chance He would have scored it By that keeper making an absolutely remarkable save For the second one He could have easily had a hat-trick last night Um, Against Bournemouth he rocked up with two two goals, you know, and the first one both were brilliantly well taken headers. Um, a little bit soft defending, yeah, but he at the end of the day he's there to do a job, and the job he can do is by putting the ball in the bloody net. And yeah, I, see, when you consider his four... it's just a sh- we we spoke about this recently as well, and it's just a shame that over the past couple of weeks that as good as City have been. I feel that like our strikers have been a little level below where we've been. And you mentioned a, a very good point of that when we were playing the Southamptons and West Ham's that teams are ultimately been, you know, there's six of them around one player. And that's, that hasn't happened so much in the past couple of weeks, but I still feel that like their form still isn't at the same level as everybody else.
1: You're joking. You just said he scored two goals against Bournemouth. Then you said he scored... He could have got a hatchet last night. So, I mean, I don't know who you see on the internet or social media, but I didn't see any dogging of um, Aguero whatsoever. I mean, the the, the guys a phenomenon, And if there's one player in our squad, and arguably in world football aside from Messi, that you want to actually get on the ball with six players in front of him and he's got a beat, well, it's Aguero. You know that close sort of controlled dribbling—it's just remarkable to see and watch. A lot, aligned with that sort of South, that South American sort of warrior type figure, where you know you sort of, you know, Suarez or whatever uh, have it in spades, and so does Aguero. Um, I don't—I think Aguero will score a bucket full of goals between now and the end of the season, and I think he was just unlucky against. Uh, Newcastle, and I thought he played fabulous. He got into the positions, he got the strikes off, and they also saw him top score two goals against Bournemouth. So, you no, know, I think he's been brilliant.
0: Okay, um, Jack. On the counter argument to that, do you are you a little bit worried about Jesus' form? And um, if so, what do you feel that his current form is down to? As in, he's lacking that clinical edge in front of goal.
2: Yeah, I think slightly I mean his overall Gameplay has been brilliant. I mean, I can't commend him enough for his pressing and whatnot, but as as you're a striker you have to score goals and I think he is he is struggling to find the net and after that penalty miss the other week against Spurs where he's hit the post and he's had a few chances here and there what he could have scored. I mean I think he it will take its toll on his confidence, especially when Aguero kind of had a mini dip, and he's got back into it now again. So I'm not I'm not sure he's he's gonna have to just hope that a chance comes soon and quick so that he can just get back on it as soon as possible.
0: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, there's been. to be honest, I found that both these games pretty pretty comfortable for City. I thought it yeah, City was just streets apart and kind of what I said at the start that teams are be that teams are beaten in the tunnel and things like that. So, of late, the form of certain players is is really, really good to see. Um, one player in particular, considering he's been out of the side for such a long time, is okay um, Gundawin. Walter, are you seeing a player now who's starting to come back to it? He's basically showing the form that he showed once he regained fitness last season. And do you feel like he can really start making a mark now on this team and be a, a key player going forward? Because over the past two games, I thought he was pretty he was pretty special at certain times.
1: Yeah, I do, I, I do worry about him. Because I thought, is it Murphy last night? Yeah. Went in and oh, just yeah. left the studs on him. I thought, that was another one. You just think that's absolutely horrible. And I, I, from what I can remember, I don't think he was even yellow-carded for that. No. You yeah. know? And, no. and it should have been, for me... That's a straight red.
0: No, he, um, he was. He was. He was booked for that. Actually, he was. Oh,
1: for the look, so then he can't be visited again. No. That, that's the rule that he's looking at. I think uh, Gundogan is a special player, but his problem is he's got two problems: De Bruyne and Silva. <laughs> he's never going to get in, in front of those two boys. Um, what he does do again brings me back to that percentage argument. Any other, any other club. In the league that had Gundogan in, he'd be automatically in their team. Any other club in the Premier. So for us to have him as a kind of guy that comes in and fills in and comes off the bench and supplies what well, does he supplies? Grit, but he also supplies intelligence and he also supplies the killer pass as well. So the other players around him, if you've noticed, trust him as well. So it's that idea of when you've got a player that can come off the bench and everybody trusts him and he can produce the goods and the intelligence, along with the grit that need, that's needed in the Premier League, we're onto an absolute winner.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would agree, I would agree. And him him more so than anybody else is, is certainly knocking on the door. I know we've mentioned Bernardo Silva over the past couple of weeks as well. and he, Yeah, he's getting there, but again sometimes games like last night show that he's still a little bit off where everybody else is in the, in the terms of form um, certainly not in terms of ability because it is, his close control is just freakish the, the things he can how he can manage to keep the ball at his feet in certain situations is, is truly phenomenal um,
1: well he's got the you eye know, for a pass as well wasn't it he passed it to Aguero
0: between the two centre halves last week for, against Bournemouth so I mean
1: the, the guy's absolutely I mean he would start if he was at any other
0: team in the Premier League, if he, if he played, he'd be playing in their first 11, yeah. Um, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, do you know another point? Um, I want to mention actually, another player even is uh Danilo because uh, I don't know whether we can we can judge him over two games against two teams that um we quite comfortably dispatched, but. His uh, his performance when he came on against Bournemouth, he was really strong and energetic going forward, and ultimately he got the goal and etc., which is fantastic. But even last night, at left back for the first time at left back, I thought that he was still offered more going forward, and he was still pretty solid defensively. I don't remember him getting ousted much. Um, Jack, do you feel that he, his his performance of late are? are you are slight starting to see a slight turn in his performances. Considering he came in at the start, had a relatively good start, and then at times he was I wouldn't say shown up, but he was he was out of the man a lot of the games because he's played, been played either as a left back or a left wing back. Um, but this role now, where he's playing as a left back, but more so as a central midfielder as well. Yeah. As Pep's inverted central midfielder, do you feel that this could be a you know a, a Delve back up in the near future uh, until we wait for M- mendy to return
2: yeah i think it suits him a lot better than the kind of up, up and down traditional not traditional but like more modern day kind of fullback um he's 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 a lot more comfortable on the ball and what well, better when in possession of the ball than he is running up and down and whatnot because he's not really got that he's not really got the speed for that kind of thing but he is a lot better as like an inverted full-back and I think that's what we'll see him as, well, especially when Delfs out or with um, not being fit enough or until Mendy's back or whatever. I think he's he could challenge Delph quite a bit, but then again, I think Delph's been
0: the best left-back in the league this year, so I suppose we'll have to see. Oh, quite a statement inf- indeed. Um, uh-huh. have, you seen any, have you seen any improvement in Dinido, Walter? Do you feel that his performance has been still c- consistent or...? Basically, what are your thoughts over the past week or so regarding him?
1: Uh, I, I see him as a steady edit. Do you know what I mean? He's not a world beater, and he doesn't bomb forward and get the crosses over. Uh-huh. I, I think he's better at right back than he is at left back. He's a he's a good sort of squad player. Yeah, do you know what I mean? He's uh, he, he comes in. He's almost like our uh, Phil Neville. You know what I mean? He, he just comes in. and does a steady enough job without being too flat, and that's what he does. He's, um there is rumours that he's not overly happy, mm-hmm. which would be interesting to see. And you know, and, and a bit like um, Negredo you know, if it doesn't work out for him personally, he wants to move on. I wish him all the best. I, he's only twenty six, you know. Yeah. I, he, he looks a lot older. Uh, I know Pep signed him after an, an impressive display against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. Uh, that's what put him, sorry, on Pep's radar. Uh, but what I would say is steady, Eddie, good squad player. Again, it talk about the percentages and the player that comes in. I wouldn't like to see Delft went down. I wouldn't like to see him as our full-time left back. Certainly not. Don't mind you, <laughs> I would have said the same about Delft not so long ago. So I don't know what Pep's doing with these players, but they're certainly all buying into his system. And it, it improves their games, if you know what I mean. It improves the way they look on the pitch if they follow his system as well.
0: Okay, it's a fair point. Um, gentlemen, we should start considering wrapping this up. But just before we do, there's a, um, a very good question came in from, from Twitter when we announced that we're doing the podcast. I asked people to send in the questions. And one of the questions that came in was. Um, the impact of Virgil Van Dyke on Jan- the January market for us, and in that sense, I mean the the finances that are uh, potentially available now. And do you feel the? I'll I'll start with you, Jack, in this one. Do you feel that the money now that is being saved almost, so that we won't be spending on Van Dijk, that we should be looking at putting towards either offering Arsenal a, a low ball fee of maybe about twenty million pounds to Alexis Sanchez? plus another centre-back, or do you feel that holding off for Sanchez until the summer and just still going with a centre-back option would be a far more suitable option?
2: I think we're better holding off until the summer just because I think if we brought in Sanchez now, I mean, with the attack we've got, in Sane, Jesus, Aguero, Bernardo, between them they've scored an incredible amount of goals. And I don't really... I think it could upset the kind of morale within the players uh, within the camp as to how because they will think obviously there's someone new coming in and their spot even if they played so well is likely to get taken by Sanchez so I think I don't see him as a necessity anyway but if we could get him on a free I mean, in the summer I mean that would be a great coup but I don't think it'd necessarily be needed in January and I think we should just go head on for the centre
0: half in my eyes Okay, Walter what about you?
1: I'd love Sanchez in as well uh, I think the problem is when Sani doesn't play I watched it last night Sani wasn't playing and Sterling comes over onto the left wing where I don't think he's anywhere near as effective as when he's on the right wing when he did score that absolute, we haven't even spoke about that goal against Newcastle, in fact, I'm, I'm going to just hijack with the podcast and just the ball through Over the top by De Bruyne was just measured to the inch. And it it wasn't an easy finish. He's almost caught it under his foot while pushing his foot forward (laughs) put it underneath the goalkeeper. You know, he's caught it on his studs. And so the thing I'd urge any City fan just go and have a look on the website. And it shows the goal from every angle. And it is from every angle, pretty much. And it just shows you the quality that Sterling actually brings to our team. If you look at his stats against Hazard this year he's been far better and people just still I'm not saying he's a better player but this season he's produced the goods more um, now back to your original question sorry I just had to hijack it I thought, it, I felt it needed City. Um there's three positions that I think City need to look at over the next couple of years and we should just go all out and get the best in each one that we can do we need a centre half bringing in now that was obviously Virgil van Dijk he's gone on to pastures new good luck to him Uh, we need a left back to come in and I mean Jack was saying that he thinks uh, Del's been the best in the league I struggle to agree with him on that one and uh, we need a defensive midfielder to cover for Fernandinho so there's the positions that you need covering Everything else in our team is absolutely ticking like clockwork.
0: Who do, just starting to finalise that note, who do you think has been the best left back?
1: Me. Uh,
2: I think Kalasinac is an option from Arsenal. Yeah. I mean, in terms of most improved, I'd definitely go with Delph. But Kalasinach has been kind of a standout in terms of his... It's been a great free signing for Arsenal,
0: so yeah. he's another option there. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Charlie,
1: who plays left back for Chelsea? Uh, Alonso,
0: Marcus Alonso. He's had a good season as well.
1: Yeah. Um, do you know the thing is, we can often get stuck as as City fans, we can often and looking at the team, we can often get stuck in a bubble of thinking every single every single one of our players is the best in every single position in the league. Yeah. Because Look at the table. But in reality, we'll go over to the likes of Jack there, he watches far more football than I do, so he'd have a more informed, educated opinion about the different players from different clubs and the, the, the consistency
0: that they're performing week in, week out. Fair enough. Fair enough. Gentlemen, thank you very, very much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, It will be interesting to see what happens in January... Um, and yeah, let, let's let just uh, to be honest, all, want, my, all the only thing I want for a New Year is is no Johnny Evans to be quite honest with you. <laughs> um, yeah, so if that comes true, it's a good start to the New Year. We'll see how it goes. Um, crucial game on 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 Sunday with Crystal Palace. It's going to be a tough, tough game. Um, I have a feeling that this is where our streak will come to an end Um, hopefully it doesn't and we'll talk about that one next week and see if we've equal Bayern's streak or we're falling at the final hurdle but either way City what an end to 2017 it's been absolutely fantastic Um, yeah absolutely a wonderful year twice we've been (laughs) beaten in the league all season and yeah fantastic gentlemen thank you very very much for for joining me Jack thank you so much mate
2: thank
1: you very much
0: Walter very happy new year and love to the family oh yeah yeah
1: thanks and the same
0: to yourself 4-0 I'm going against Palace 4-1, I'm, 4-1. I, I'm going 2-2 Jack what about you mate
1: 3-1
0: Palace or City <laughs> <laughs> gotta go City right well, we'll see how it goes I'm going actually Saturday evening, uh, su- uh, Sunday morning so um, yeah let's see how it goes we'll reconvene this time next week and everybody listen thank you very much once this goes out please retweet like share follow us on soundcloud all that sort of stuff send us any comments we'll, we'll answer them over the next week or so thank you very much for listening and goodbye